I remember reminding our sons when they were little that we had certain rules in the house that we all had to follow. One of them was that each of us, when we were done with our toys, we had to put them away. Had to pick them up and put them away. They did not like this idea at all. Where had I come up with this crazy thought? They told me no one they ever knew did this sort of thing. I'm sure it's exactly the same statement their friends said to their parents. No one I know has ever done this sort of thing. Well, when they finally gave in and through other discussions sort of like this, I came to realize that children need boundaries. That children gain comfort even as they bump against those boundaries and because of them. That certain things are right and other things are wrong. Understanding those boundaries makes children feel safe and secure and even loved. And it's the same for us. God knows that we need this too. I have, as Tom read for us, a little list that God came up with uh, that we heard in the 20th chapter of Exodus. Uh, Now, most of the time, we tend to treat this list, the Ten Commandments, as kind of a checklist, uh, almost like a grading sheet. And they are uh, individually important, but these aren't just a specific set of rules. Uh, They are broadly more sort of policy statements from God. They're sort of God's platform for how we are to live our life. Uh, uh, How, in this instance, uh, liberated slaves were to live as a new community. Remember, these Israelites have just made it out of Egypt. They've just narrowly escaped Pharaoh's grasp been wandering through the wilderness, and God wants them to know what God's will is for them. And God wants us to know what that is for us as well. So let's look at these uh, first four. No other gods before me, uh, no idols, uh, don't use the, uh, the, the name of the Lord in vain, and remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. They are as a whole, specifically about where we are to focus our lives. I was walking up in uh, York, Maine recently uh, and sort of looking at the town and seeing all the shops in the town. And there are basically candy shops and knick-knack shops. (laughs) Much like probably every coastal town, uh, not only in New England, but around the country. And as I was uh, walking and thinking, I I was thinking to myself, if a Martian landed with more candy and knick-knack shops than churches, and definitely the attendance better at the candy and the knick-knack shops than churches, the Martian would certainly wonder, what do we worship? We don't have a pharaoh that calls us to worship him. But we have substituted so many other things in the place of the Pharaoh. 
So many things that take us away from what we should be worshiping. So many things that we have substituted to take the Pharaoh's place, to take us away from the one God. We live in a world of competing gods, little g, that offer us or proclaim to offer us joy or well-being or security or happiness. And I'm not sure where the candy and knick-knack God falls for you, uh, but uh, there is certainly, there are certainly people following their appetites, uh, their pocketbook, consuming and searching for satisfaction in all sorts of ways in their lives. God in the first four commandments is basically saying, Hey you, I'm right here. Look right here, here I am. What are you doing that is distracting you from God's will for your life? Someone shared with me uh, recently a, a, a quote, Anyone can observe the Sabbath, but, it, but making it holy it takes the whole week. Anyone can observe the Sabbath, but making it holy surely takes the rest of the week. The Sabbath isn't just about Sundays. It's about disciplined, regular disengagement from cultural expectations that flow at us from every angle. It's about getting back to God. It's about hearing God say, hey you, here I am. This is a week-long job. And the next six commandments sort of get at that job. It's about God's hope for us. They're about God's hope for us and God's hope for the world. It's about honoring the relationships in our lives. Specifically, it talks about mother and father, it talks about spouse, but again, these commandments are much more than just a simple set of rules. It's about honoring all of the relationships of, of our lives, seeing the people of our lives as children of God to be honored, not to be abused. It's about seeing the sacred value of human life. That's number six, if you're counting at home, do not murder, but it's, that's much more than just about violence in the streets. It's about the sacredness of human life. It's about the murder that happens behind the headlines, slow, mostly unnoticed and unrecognized, which diminishes and destroys human life among those not powerful enough to defend themselves. You look at issues, public policy issues, surrounding peace, surrounding poverty, employment, children, housing, education, health care. And it's important to ask, do these reflect the precious qualities of human life? Do they reflect God's policy statements? Do what we do individually or what we do societally 
reflect the ways we are called to enhance and to preserve the precious quality of human life? How do we respond to humanitarian crises like exist in Puerto Rico? How do we respond to situations across the world, situations close to home? How do we react? As the body of Christ today, if we're called to fulfill these commandments, we need to ask ourselves, how do we do it? Not the specific commandments, the broad understanding about what it means to be in relationship to God and relationship to one another as children of God. These commandments are about living truthfully, honestly, respectfully. That's eight and nine, if you're wondering. Relative to each other, they're about controlling our desires in the midst of unbridled consumerism that calls us to accumulate and to use and to take advantage of the resources we've been given. That's number 10. These 10 commandments remind us of our role in the world community, reminds us of who we're called to be. It brings us back, these commandments bring us back to the Sabbath, to our focus, to ask ourselves who has control over our lives? What God will we follow? In Godly Play, uh, the curriculum that the elementary and pre-K class uses, they don't call these the Ten Commandments, they call them the Ten Best Ways. And they keep it, actually, the commandments in a little heart-shaped box. And they talk about the best ways to live our life, about how to keep human life precious and react to people in that precious, loving way, about how to keep our focus on the true God that calls us God's own, about how to be in relationship with others as children of God, no matter who they are, no matter how they, where they live, no matter what they look like, no matter what language they speak, no matter how they identify themselves. How are we in relationship with the rest of creation in its fullest of terms? The Israelites heard all of this, these Ten Commandments, and, and as we heard, they trembled with fear. And you can sort of understand that. But there is Moses for God, and there is Jesus so many times in the Scriptures saying, Don't be afraid. Did you hear those words at the end of that passage in the 20th chapter of Exodus? Moses saying what Jesus echoes over and over again. Don't be afraid. I know fear fills your hearts when you hear about your calling as children of God. But don't see these things as just simple rules written on paper. It's about identity. It's about you. It's about God. And it's about we all, as children of God, it's about this relationship we have with one another. Don't be afraid. Be who you were created to be. Live how you were created to live. Walk as you were created to walk. God has come to you, Moses said and Jesus said. God has come to each of us. Just asks, come back to God. 
turned to God. It's easy to say, no one I know does that sort of stuff. No one I know ever does that sort of thing. And that's true in our society today. But how the world would be changed if we did live our lives fully in relationship with God and fully in relationship with one another as children of God. This is the only way that change happens in community. This is the way the world turns. Because we turn. Because you turn and I turn. Because one person at a time we turn and regain our focus. We see God and see ourselves as children of God and see others as children of God. And we live rejoicing in that infinite knowledge of what this relationship can mean in our lives. And as we come for communion, as we taste, as we take in, as we feel the presence of a living God, not just in a little piece of bread or a cup, but inside of us, we gain the strength to not fear. We gain the strength as individuals to turn turn away from those other gods that threaten to consume us and turn to a God that is calling our name. And what a difference it will make in our lives, what a difference it will make in the world. Maybe just one person at a time, but that one person can be you. And that one person can be the others in your life that will bring transformation that will change perspective, that will turn our lives around. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come before you on this day and on every day, seeking and struggling to discern your will, your call for our lives. We thank you for your guidance that we see in the scriptures, guidance that we feel in our hearts. We thank you for the opportunity to come together as community, for the opportunity to come together as communion, to surround each other, to remind each other we are not alone, that we learn together, that we struggle together, that we rejoice together. We know, dear God, that we are, there, there are not easy answers, that there's so many gray areas in this life we lead. We learn that as we grow older. But we know through all those gray areas of life, there is the gospel truth of the good news of great joy of your love for us, your hope for us, your grace for us. And we hold on to that good news. And we share it in all the ways we can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now let's join together in, on page 2221. In, in the faith we sing hymnal, that we are beginning the celebration of the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, as this tune is a Martin Luther tune. That's 1517, Martin Luther, in case you're counting at home. 
As we sing, uh, in unity we lift our song, 2-2-2-1 in the faith we sing hymnal. Please stand if you are able.